Well, welcome to this EAHP podcast, which is uh, coming to you from Paris at the moment. Uh, my name is David Jarrett. I'm a senior pharmacist with the NHS Commissioning Board in the UK. My guest here today is uh, Jo Corrier, and she's a nurse, and she's got some very important things to say. At Birmingham Children's Hospital, they have a very good relationship with pharmacists. Uh, they have a lot of innovative uh, material and, and ways of working for patients' benefit. But just how did that actually start? How, did, how was pharmacy able to become part of such a great thing? Joe. I think that happened on many levels. I think um, that what we saw was that actually pharmacists taking the time to um, explain their role and explain the, the knowledge that they had, uh, taking time to get engaged as individuals within the learning of the nurses and the doctors who were administering and prescribing the medicines. And when they saw something that wasn't perhaps as it should be, uh, giving some advice and guidance about how that can change and perhaps be made better in a non-threatening way. So in a way that engaged the individuals without them feeling um, as if uh, they had done something um, really dreadful. Pharmacists have this sort of, um, well, they like to think that they have this great understanding of medicines, but sometimes it's very difficult to take the complexity of medicines and um, put it in a language that can be understood not just by nurses and by medics, but also by patients themselves. So how, how were they able to do this? Um, I think it's interesting because uh, actually, you know, language is one of those things that actually we all do have our own professional languages um, and we all do use terms that we don't necessarily realise that other people don't understand. So for me, it's always been about keeping it simple and asking questions to make sure people understand about what the processes that you might be talking about. So, for example, we talk about administration of medicines. Quite often when I was talking to pharmacists, they call, we talked about administration. They were referring to physically the administration, whereas within nursing, we call the administration of medicines actually the preparation of the medicine and then the administration of it. So we would use the same term to mean different parts of the process, um, which was quite interesting because it can actually lead to quite a lot of confusion. So it's always about checking out that you are talking about the same thing is always useful. Tell me, um, one of the things which I, I do know happens in the UK is that nurses are required on an annual basis to undertake calculation assessments. And actually, I think these things are done online and, and it, it seems to be very much a, a management process. But it is about verifying and validating the ability to undertake calculations. And in a paediatric setting, calculations can be really very important. So. When you do these things, do you sometimes, uh, do, do two nurses do it? Do you invite pharmacists to um, look over the calculations to make sure they're right? How does that work? Well, it's quite interesting. I mean, first of all, is that actually at the children's, we don't test our nurses oh, wow. every year, wow. um, which is something that I know some organisations yeah, do. Yeah. And, and that's surprising to people when they hear it about, you know, because paediatric calculations, as we know, can be very, very complicated. And there's a lot of factors uh, that we take in. So, for example, uh, when we look at uh, the risk assessments for paediatrics, every medicine we give is a high risk medicine because of its weight based because there's potentially around injectables, we've got displacement values to take into account. It's our bread and butter. 
it's a hard, risky process if you're doing it for the first time. It's a hard, risky process if you're not familiar with the drug. But once you are familiar with the drug and you are familiar with the calculations, actually, we don't struggle with it at all. Wow, that's <laughs> so fantastic. It's quite interesting um, to say that. But we do use tools to support us. So we have online uh, drug calculators for the more complex calculations, perhaps where the dose is varying during administration. So we have tools to support us, but actually uh, it's really about vigilance. We do have second checking. We always have two nurses checking and we make it very clear that's independent checking. And that's something that's come through from the pharmacy department in terms of we've learned from how the technicians do their checking and how they completely keep that separate to try not to influence each other. And we've taken that good practice and applied it in nursing. So it is about actually that learning from each other. We have got a lot to share. I, I suppose uh, it's, it's very difficult to conceive when you have a very small child that just one mil is a very big volume to actually mm. give. And how um, for a lot of drugs, uh, you have to change the nature of the formulation. You have to be quite uh, inventive as to how you deliver medicines in that type of environment. So when you have, an, uh, for example, a, a physician has prescribed a particular drug, maybe it's the first time you've come across that, um, and you're going to deliver it to, for example, a neonate or a very small child, do you then go to the pharmacy department and say, this is the task I've been set? What might be the best way of uh, you know, actually administering this drug, formulating this drug, and how do we set about making sure that we don't duplicate and replicate all of this knowledge and discussion when in the future we might have a similar situation? How does that work? Um, well, we've taken the time to look at our drugs that um, we give regularly um, and um, are used across different areas to look at all the information that we might need in the different clinical areas and in the different situations that we give it. And drug monographs have been developed jointly between what the doctors would like to see in terms of prescribing and what they need to write. So we actually have a pictorial representation of what they actually should write on the drug wow. chart to make their instructions clear uh, for the nurses who will be administering it. We have then very detailed instructions that are a stepwise guide for the nurse to how they should be administering that medicine. And um, then we also have some information that is more general, for example, that they might want to know. So the pH, the osmolarity, mm. the likely viscant nature of it mm. in terms of actually how would that affect the vein if we should have actually an infiltration injury. Mm. So that all helps the clinical decision making and is based on the knowledge of the pharmacist being there and readily available for the staff. Uh, so it's absolutely integral in terms of the way that we work to have that knowledge at hand. Do you think that when you're in the discussions with pharmacists, um, and bearing in mind this is a very specialist area of activity, that the pharmacist's perception is to come from the patient, the child, the neonate, and then work back to the issues that are at hand? Or is it more that they approach directly the healthcare professional's needs? I think that actually, I have to be honest and say that we're still very much approaching it for the most part, and we have areas of excellence, we have individual pharmacists who completely get it, um, that we're still approaching it from the healthcare professional's perspective. Um, but I think that 
increasingly we're beginning to recognise that actually for each medicine when it's reviewed, it has to be reviewed in light of who that child is that's going mm. to get it. And it's becoming a lot more frequent, for example, for the children to start saying, well, actually, I would like it, mm. uh, a particular uh, tablet. I want the mm. ones that are round or I want the, the ones that you can dissolve in water mm. and that we're engaging with the children and the pharmacists are talking with the families about the medicines that they're likely to get and looking at that because that makes a real difference in terms of whether the child's actually going to take the medicine um, and that's really important. So the pharmacists are definitely getting better. Ah, well, I'm just so pleased you say that. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, the, 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 the disjoint is because every single patient is different and their needs and their knowledge, the, the capacity to take on board knowledge and instruction is different. And so... The difficulty for all healthcare professionals is if you, if you don't take that individual patient and go back from the patient mm -hmm. to the need, what you do is you stereotype patients. Mm -hmm. And suddenly what you have is the way you will treat the condition, irrespective of the nature of the patient. And, there, and some patients, perhaps the minority, perhaps very few, but some patients actually get more harm than benefit if you treat them as though they were, you know, pigeonholed in a particular sized box. And so that's why I asked the question. And so in a way, you give me some heart that it's on the way, but still it's a, an area where pharmacy needs to raise its game and perhaps understand the issues. Would you agree with that? I think I'd agree with that. But I think we have to put it in context as well and not to beat up pharmacists about whether they're doing that or not. If we look in the UK at the, something like the Francis report that's saying that actually doctors get it wrong sometimes, nurses get it wrong sometimes. And actually what we've all got to do is all be keeping each other vigilant and that we're all focusing on what are the needs of the patient at the end and that we're making sure that we hold each other to account for that. And I'd hope that the pharmacists would be doing that for me whether I'm in, when I'm nursing. I hope they'd be doing it for the doctors as well. Yes, yes. Well, that, that's true. You, the last thing you want is any error that actually finds its way all the way to a patient and a patient is harmed because mm. you have to live with that for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that, that is possibly the, uh, the hardest thing that you would want to do as a healthcare professional. And I think from a nurse's perspective, that's why we really do want to be engaging with the pharmacists because they are our shield you know they can pick up where we miss things you know we're often talked about at nurses as being the people that catch a lot of the errors that the doctors make well actually that might be true but the pharmacists significantly engage in that as well and then who are checking us and who are supporting us with our errors and that's definitely the pharmacist it's nice you say. Can I just ask one more question? And that is, if if you had to ask the pharmacy department to give, to provide some education in a particular aspect of nursing care for patients, where medicines are concerned, what would be the topic that you would put at the at the top of that list? For me, it's something about what we know that isn't always got right in the NHS at the moment. And for us, that's around the omissions and delays in medicines. So I think 
the primary thing that pharmacists can engage nurses in is that actually nurses see medicines as really sometimes a little bit of an inconvenience in the nursing care. We have to stop what we're doing to give medicines. We don't necessarily think of it as actually integral and core part of what we do. And I don't know whether that's just because actually over time medicines place in healthcare have increased because of simply what we can do with medicines now, or whether that is um, actually just our perception. So for me, it's about actually how can the pharmacist get across to the nurses the absolutely vital nature of medicines and the importance of them, A, receiving them, and B, taking them on time. Um, for those ones that are time critical and how that can influence the care and the impact of those medicines for the child or for the patient. That's fascinating because of course what you're talking about here is timeliness of administration for critical medicines Mm -hmm. and how do you decide which are critical medicines because I've heard two viewpoints here all medicines are critical Mm -hmm. and all medicines should be given as scheduled and you should do it within one hour. And the other side of the spectrum is very few, perhaps only anti-epileptics, antibiotics, um, perhaps some analgesics, Mm -hmm. and the list is very constrained. I would imagine critical medicines for you is quite a restricted list. Um, it is. I mean, it is restricted to, but actually we're, we are restricting it to quite a large group so of, of them. And that has actually been decided for us in our organisation by the Drugs and Therapeutics Committee, where we've actually looked at that. So we've developed a local list of ones that we think are critical that should be given within our window. But yes, it's. I think it's more about that awareness that actually children aren't prescribed medicines, patients don't get given medicines unless they need them. Mm -hmm. So understanding the role they're playing in the overall health of that patient in terms of getting them better and controlling symptoms in in their efficacy, then that's really important, I think, for for the nurses to understand. And I don't think we always grasp that. Sometimes I think we forget why we're giving the medicines. So that's basically, for example, with antibiotics, some are bactericidal, mm-hmm. some are bacteriostatic. And for those that are bactericidal, you need to have a window whereby the bugs can start uh, uh, replicating in order for the antibiotic to work. And if you, your, your scheduling is not correct, then actually the antibiotic doesn't work. Right. So it's the knowledge as to why you have to have yeah timeliness with these medicines. That's what you would like to have. Nurses aren't handmaidens, as perhaps once we were. So we need that information about why are we doing something in order to make a clinical decision at the time. Do I prioritise task A or task B, one of which would be medicines? So you know, which do I do first? Both are really needed by the patient. Which do I prioritise? And one would hope that actually the decision is around the right one. Is it time critical, that medicine? Do I need to give it now? Or do I need to make sure I do this first for the child? So they can't make that decision unless they have all the facts. Mm. And sometimes I think we haven't got all the facts. Well, I tell you what, if I have another child, I'll make sure it comes to to, to your hospital because it sounds like it'll be very well treated. Thank, <laughs> Thank you very you. much, Joe. Very decent of you to come here today. Thank you. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.